Queenstowns. Obviously, one of our favourite places. We haven't um, been here for four years. We've seen heaps of changes in the place. But um, yeah, as for the church here, the church has been a place where people have come and gone and come and gone because they've come from overseas, but they've come here and they've got discipled and they've come to know Jesus as their saviour. And there's people all over the world, thousands of people that have come through this church. You know, you may not see them all here, but you'll be amazed when you get to heaven. You'll see all these people that have come through the Queenstown Church over the years. And, you know, even now when the, the hard times with COVID and everything, you know, I see that cross out there and um, I believe God will still draw people into this place. You've got the cross there, you've got all these amazing people in the community. And, and as you said, Pastor Corey, that, um, you know, the Father will draw them. The Father will draw those people here into this place and you'll see, see them planted and discipled and, and grown in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool. All right. Do you guys want to take a seat? You can take a rest. Everybody else, take a seat. I uh, I, I, I took a wedding on um, Friday, and uh, you saw Stephen and uh, those of you who were here this morning. Stephen and Renee uh, were here. Second day of their married life. They're on their honeymoon, they they come into church here, which was good. We would have slapped them if they hadn't. Eh? And uh, if they'd been in town and we heard that they didn't come, but um, I, I said to uh, Michelle, said to me, reminded me. She says, "You left everybody standing," you know. So everybody came in, and it was only a little little place. It's up at Stone Ridge. Those uh, those of you know up uh, above Lake Hayes, and uh, I left everybody standing until I got to you know about to do the vows, and then I looked and I thought, oh, you guys better sit down, you know. <laughs> Sometimes you get lost in what you're doing, you know. You're so focused on uh, on what you want to do. But hey, uh, let me just read a passage of scripture. Then I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to um, maybe preach, and then uh, tell a few stories as I'm what to do. Hey, Sammy. <laughs> All right, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Uh, for those of you who don't believe it, it was Paul. For those who think it was otherwise, it might have been Apollos or somebody else, wrote this passage of Scripture in Hebrews, and it says this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as your word is spoken, and Lord, you, in, you declared it, Lord, centuries ago when you said that, uh, Lord, your word doesn't return void. It doesn't return having not fulfilled that which you sent it out to do. Lord, we ask, Lord, that that word would be fulfilled, Lord, here tonight. Father, I pray for each and every person that is in this place. Lord, that you orchestrated and ordained. Father, you destined to be in this place here tonight. Father, give them ears to hear. Father, give them eyes to see. Father, give them a heart that would embrace all that you would have to say to them tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you've got to sort of start off with a little bit of history. And for those of you who've seen this before, you can, um, you know, you can monitor or you can sort of like keep your, you know, groans again, uh, sort of at, at bay. But um, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a, a, um, a journey. And for some of you, you won't have seen this before. Some of you might have seen it. Some of you, like uh, Michelle's probably seen it, I don't know how many times. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, Marcus, do you want to play that, uh, that little PowerPoint presentation? Yeah. Flight, early morning flight. And uh, we came in from um, uh, the western end of the lake. So I uh, came in past um, Glenorchy, 
down the arm and then swung around past uh, Walter Peak and Cecil Peak and then came straight down the Frankton arm. And uh, as we're coming into land, uh, I was good. I gave Michelle the window seat and, uh, you know, reached in front, you know. And I did see, when I booked it, I deliberately booked it, you know. It's like, I know, put, put her in there first and I'll do second, you know. But uh, I look out the window and I said to her, I says, the church, it's gone. She goes, what are you talking about? I says, the building, it's gone. It's disappeared. Uh, and she goes, what, what, what? Oh, oh, I'll just have to show you. So anyhow, we land and uh, go to get bags. And we get the, uh, the rental car and uh, jump in the car. And instead of uh, heading, you know, right, uh, what do I do? I head left down Boys Crescent. And, uh, and I look at this empty lot. And I look and see that there's just a pile of gravel and, uh, and just some, you know, some workers' huts, etc. there. And it's gone. Forty years of memories and activities, gone, disappeared. It's amazing, you know, because in um, in uh, 1981, when that building was uh, was built, um, there was a young couple who were um, attending a church up in uh, Howick in Auckland, and they had just gone through a building project. And um, uh, been involved, you know, all sorts of working bees and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, you know, sanding and painting and, you know, all the stuff that you do in working bees and building churches and things like that. Anyhow, the people who built uh, that building that they were involved in, in in Howick in uh, 1980, they flew down to Queenstown and built that building in Boys Crescent. And, uh, of course, that couple that were in Howick, building a building, uh, was Michelle and I. So it was our church at the time. And uh, so when we turned up to, um, uh, long story was short, when we turned up to, to Queenstown and we were asked to, hey, will you pass the church? Um, I know exactly how you feel, Corey. Absolutely. Because we walked into a building that was finished. It was done. It was completed. It was, it's like, wow. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, God. You know, you sure you got the right guy? You know, I don't deserve this. You know me better than that. You know what, I, what I've done. But, you know, God said, no, that's what I want you to do. I've called you to do this and to be here. And, uh, you know, we labored here and did a whole bunch of stuff. And uh, long story short, um, we sold that. Uh, well, actually, we didn't sell it. We swapped that property for this property. Um, so I recall to the day... Uh, standing um, at the altar, um, talking to the developer with my um, uh, friend who was a, the real estate agent, agent who was involved in the deal, um, absolutely gobsmacked uh, when I just says, hey, what do you think? And he goes, yeah, it's a deal. Let's do a swap. And uh, we agreed just to swap the property. Uh, so we swapped a third of an acre for eight and a half acres. And, uh, of course, we started the, the premises here. And it got me thinking when I, you know, came in about, um, you know, about the church and about that building. And I think about, um, you know, all the things that happened there. And I'm thinking, did I feel sad when I flew in and saw no building? And I've got to say, actually, no, I didn't. I didn't feel sad. You know, we've just celebrated Anzac Day. 
And, and Anzac Day is a day when we, we stop and we look back. And, and, and it's often symbolized by, um, you know, statues or sculptures or, or not altars, but you know what I mean. You know, people go to memorials, you know, on, on Anzac Day, on dawn service to honor the, the events of the past. And, and, and to a measure, this symbol is a little bit of the same. The, the problem or the difference, I'll say, the difference between the cross and the memorial in the town center is that the memorial in the town center only speaks about the past. It, it, it has no focus on the future in that sense it says, I can honestly say, hey, I can remember the people who have passed and what they've done. But it actually doesn't, you know, tell me anything about the future. It tells me that in their past, they did something that did something for my current, my present. So the freedom I enjoy is because of the wars and the battles that they undertook, whether it be 10, 20, 50, 100, 150 years ago. I just, Michelle just lost her father on on, uh, Wednesday. And... You know, Wednesday morning, we're in the hospital. Uh, we'd got the call and um, to say, hey, he'd passed away. So we went to the hospital and, and you know, go in there and I'm, I'm looking at a man who I'd known for 40 years. Obviously, Michelle had known him for all her life. And, and you realize he's, it's just a body because the person has left. And you realize that the body was just the vehicle that carried the person in their journey through life here on earth. And when the time had gone, that, that body had started to break down and, and was no longer, it, it became beyond repair. And so, you know, that body is no longer fit for purpose. But the person moves on. When I think of the cross, Jesus said this. It talks about that, you know, on the night that he was betrayed, that he took bread. And, and he, he said, as he broke bread, and as he drank of the cup, he says, you know what? He says, I will not partake of the fruit of the vine. In other words, I'm not going to drink of the wine until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. So when we think of the cross, the cross is not a memorial. It, it's, it's not about a past event. It's actually about a future promise. It's, it's not about what somebody did just for that time. It's actually about something that stretches all the way through beyond time. And when you start to understand that, you start to get a difference between what faith is and what fate is. See, you, you, you hear the stories, the war stories, and, and people talk about, they, they, they use this sort of expression, well, you know, it was a fateful day when such and such happened. This person happened to be in the, in the trenches and the bomb came and they were history. 
I uh, was reading the story of a, of a man who his body was found in 1977. He disappeared flying over the, uh, the mountains of Papua New Guinea in 1942. You know, and, uh, and people sort of said, well, it was a fateful day. That was his fate. But see, there's a, there's a big difference between fate and faith. See, fate is a bit like this. Fate says, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Faith says this, God says you are, so what I say you'll be, you will be. See, faith is not, it's, it's, it's not something you conjure up. Faith is something that you hear about from someone who knows more than you and looks beyond you. All right? So, so when we talk about faith, that scripture says faith is the evidence of things unseen. And, and so, you know that building on Boys Crescent? It's the evidence of things unseen. It was the external, what was manifested inside. And, and the reality is that that evidence can disappear, but what happened in the inside of that church doesn't disappear. It keeps on going. You know, in, in maybe in 40 years' time, this building will disappear. But, you know, the evidence, faith says it's not about this building, but it's about what God is building. It's about who God is building. And so we, we, we look at people and we, we ask ourselves, are you people of faith or are you people of fate? You know, I think of, I think of you know, that, that passage in, in, in Timothy where Timothy says, uh, Paul says to Timothy, he says, you know, you know, bodily exercise or physical exercise, you know, he says, it profits a little. But, you know, and, um, but, but godliness profits, you know, for no, not only the now, the present, but also into the future. And so bear with me as I paint this little picture of the shape of people. See, you see some people who their, their shape reflects their attitude. So I look at some people and uh, you know their shape. And we all know that round is a shape, right? And, and the world tells we need to get in shape, but, but, you know, we all have a little bit of dispute about how much of a shape that we need to get into, you know. Um, and, and, and I know that the shape uh, that you're in is, is sort of related to what's gone inside of you, you know, what's gone on, you know, before. In, in other words, um, you know, your shape is the evidence of things unseen. <laughs> True? So, so, so if you have a rounder shape than others, it's the evidence of things unseen. In other words, I didn't see you eat that cream cake, but there's evidence that would uh, display something, you know. Or you may have somebody who's, I mean, these guys here, look at this. Turn up, stand up, stand up. Look at this. He's a man in shape, you know. Oh, can he drop down and give me 10? Drop down and give me 10. Two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yes! Woohoo! 
So, fate and the people who live by fate have a shape. And it is, um, it is a, reflect, a, a reflection of their indulgence. People who live by faith also have a shape. And it's a reflection of their intimacy. See, people of faith are not consuming. They're consummating and they're reproducing. See, they're not just eating for self, but they're doing something for somebody else. So people of faith have a different shape. I like to think is that, you know, uh, the people of faith, you know, you look at them and you go, they have got the, uh, the baby bump of faith. In that I mean there's something on the inside of them that is growing and that will come forth. See, faith is the evidence of things. It's the substance of things hoped for. Literally, faith is the fetus of that which hope is going to give birth to. All right? So, so when we have faith, it is because we, we have had an intimate relationship with somebody who has implanted something in us, and we then are starting to reproduce it out of us. So we're called to be people of faith, not of fate. So I don't want to see people with belly rolls of fate, but I want to see them baby bumps of faith. In other words, people who are passionate and excited about what's going on inside of them and what they're going to do for others. When I look at Boys Crescent, and I look at that building, and when I look at this building, I think, hey, you know what? This is just a vehicle. We were down at the Arrowtown um, uh, Autumn Festival on, what was it, Saturday, yesterday. And, uh, you know, my first car was a Singer Gazelle. It's just a cool car, you know. Well, at least I thought it was until I saw one at the Arrowtown. And I look at him and go, oh, man. Oh, man, you need to get some cool in your life because that was not a cool car. But you know what? It was the car that I picked up Michelle in, and I would take her places. It was the car that we, uh, that we uh, you know, uh, visited friends and family. You know, we, we, we um, had part of our courtship was in that car in the sense that we would go and explore places. It, it, I'm, I'm saying is that the car was just purely a vehicle that, uh, you know, produced something else altogether. And, you know, sometimes we get so hung up on the vehicle and we stop looking at the people. See, the building is the vehicle. The church is the people. And, and, and that's when God says, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So when I look at a building like Forty Boys, like Boys Crescent, which is gone after 40 years, I'm actually not sad. Because, you know, it's a, it's a vehicle that's done its time. It's done its time. He said, now faith is the substance, the essence, or as I said, the fetus of faith is what is, uh, is, becomes the promise of hope. It's, it's what gives birth out of hope. Hope, you know, if hope 
uh, can't come to pass, if hope is, not, is impossible, it's not hope. It's just a, it's a wish. But see, when we talk about faith and hope, faith is what somebody speaks to you about. I'll say it this way. You know what? Um, it doesn't take faith to drive a car, right? It takes practice. It takes hope that the guy on the other, other side coming towards you, you know. <laughs> a has learnt the same road rules, you know. You look at the little uh, sign on the, um, on the rear vision mirror, and it says, keep left, and you think, I hope the guy can read English, you know, who's driving, the, coming to, particularly around Queenstown, eh, you know. So, so driving a car doesn't take faith, it just takes practice. To, um, uh, to plant an apple tree, and to expect the apple tree will bring forth apples doesn't take faith. It's a matter of principle. You know, what you sow, you will reap. You know, uh, every seed gives birth after its kind. There's no faith involved in that. It's just operating in principle. So, so faith is not about practice. It's not about uh, principle. It's about promise. It's about God's said. And... and and if faith was believable in the sense that you saw the evidence that, you know, oh, yeah, I can see that'll happen, that's not faith. You know, because we live by faith, not by sight. Right? That's why it says, you know, it's the you know, substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things what? Unseen. And in other words, I can't see it. I can't figure it out. I can't see how it's going to happen but I know who I've heard it from, and I believe him. And so when he says it will happen, when he says, not Kesara, but God says you are, you are, then it will be. That's what faith is. It's hearing what, people, what God has to say. So I'm just wondering, how many of you are people of faith or people of faith? How many of you let whatever comes, comes to you? And you accept everything? Well, well it's, you know, it's what it is. And how many of you see beyond that and you're people of faith? You're believing for something that you can't see. You're and you're not believing because it's a wish. Because, you know, most of us can't see the lotto numbers. Some think they can see it. But every Wednesday and every Saturday, most know that they didn't see the lotto numbers. All that happened is lotto to your cash, you know. Because it was the principle that they, uh, you know, play on, you know. What you sow, we'll reap. That's what they do, you know. So... Are you a person of faith? Because this town doesn't respond to buildings in Boys Crescent or buildings in Hanson Road. It responds to people of faith. This pulpit it's a bit of a namby-pamby one, Corey. What, what happened to the real man's workout pulpit? Eh? Eh? ACC banned it, did they? I'm not surprised, you know. 
If, if it uh, tipped over, it would probably kill somebody, you know. <laughs> it was like, oh, you know. But, but, but um, you know, this, this does as well. I, I look at it, so I can, I can, it's got lots of fingerprints on it, you know. And um, do you know what a fingerprint is? A, a fingerprint is the evidence of somebody present, you know? So I can see there's, this, this pulpit's covered in fingerprints. So, so it just didn't just magically come here. Somebody picked it up and brought it here, you know? And, uh, and I look around here, and you didn't just magically appear here. Somebody brought you here. Somebody brought you here. They might have brought you here physically, but somebody, somebody brought you here. Somebody spoke something to you that brought you here. It, it may have been that as you were driving along the road, you saw the cross, and that somebody was God saying, you need to go there. And you, you're sort of going, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been thinking about that for a long time, you know. But, but your arrival here, is the fingerprint of God working on your life. I, 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 th I think of Sal and Alec here. You know, man, God's got fingerprints all over them. Evidence of him working. But here's the thing. Queenstown's got Sal and Alec's fingerprint all over them. See, as people of faith as they've shared their faith. You know, they haven't built great big monuments. They haven't built great big, you know, corporate um, entities. They're not, at least I don't think you're multimillionaires, are you? Oh, oh, if you are. Oh, you're still. <laughs> and, and see, it's, it's not about what they've built on the outside, but it's, it's how they've impacted other people. You know, when you are people of faith and you shake someone's hand, you're imparting something to them. There's a, there's a fingerprint, there's an impression that you're leaving on their life. And, and I just wonder how many of you are leaving a fingerprint of faith on their life. In, in other words, there's a hope for the future. There's, 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 there's something that says, you know what, I don't care what's going on about COVID or anything like that. doesn't really matter. I mean, I know the world is worried about its carbon footprint. That's, that's good. They haven't read Revelation when it says, <laughs> where it's like, you know, there'll be a lot of carbon, I can tell you that, you know, <laughs> a bit of sulfur and a whole bunch of other things, et cetera, you know. And I, that doesn't mean to say I ignore what's happening on the planet. But what I'm saying is this, is that, you know what, as the building was just the vehicle, but the church is the people, this planet is a vehicle, but really what God's focus is on is not on this planet. It's just purely a vehicle. He's concerned about people. So my challenge to you tonight is what evidence of your faith are you leaving in the people that you meet, the place where you work, where you live? I can tell you this is that Boys Crescent has disappeared. It's gone. There's no 
evidence left of it. But I tell you this, that uh, there's a guy by the name of Henry Kramer. He passed away in 2019. But it was his fingerprints of faith that made a mark on the life of a young hippie couple that came into town called Paul and Lynn Tankard. And as a result, we've got some tankards around. There's a whole bunch of you here that Henry Kramer's fingerprint of faith has impacted your life, whether directly or indirectly. Not necessarily in great big glorious ways, not ways that, you know, everybody will put his name up in lights or anything like that. But I think that, you know, somebody, they will say colloquially, St. Peter, I'm thinking Jesus himself will say, well done, good and faithful servant, Henry. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And you know, sometimes we think I've got to do great things in life. See, it's not about what you do in life. It's about how you do life. You know, are you a person of faith or are you just a person of fate? I'll just deal with it as it comes along. Do you have a hope for the future? Because, you know, when you get a hope for the future, that hope becomes infectious. It becomes contagious. Other people become pregnant with your hope. And they suddenly start to, wow, they start to get bigger people. They start to enlarge in their capacity and their dreams. I think of those who've got the, the faith of the tankards. How many kids have they got? Man, you know. Large faith, large faith. So my challenge to you is, don't be concerned about, have I done a whole lot? Have I built a whole lot? Have I achieved a whole lot? Who cares? You know, buildings and that. Now, I'm not saying don't look after the buildings, don't look after the, the property, don't look after the temple that God's you know, given you. But don't worship the temple. Worship who's inside the temple, the creator, you know. Some people worship the cross. The cross is great, but you know what? The cross is empty because the grave is empty. See, so the cross is what was done for me. But the empty grave, that's my future. That's my hope. Because why? Because I will be resurrected as well. There is some more life. There's life beyond this life for me. And we've got to understand that. I want to finish by just one other point. For a fingerprint to be imprinted or to be transferred to something, somebody, it needs oil. You know, people with dry skin don't transmit their fingerprints. And I just wonder how many of you are feeling a little dry in your faith here tonight. You're thinking, wow, you may have been dried because of exhaustion. You've been going a long way, long time. Sometimes we, you know, we go through some tough times. But, you know, Paul said in Ephesians, he says, you know, 
don't be filled with wine. You know, that just gives it a, a, a quick thrill and a headache in the morning. It says, be filled, continually filled with the Holy Spirit. See, what the Holy Spirit does, you know, um, some people get hung up and they think they're called to be John Connor and they're looking for the Terminator to help them save the world. There's another JC who's already saved the world and he sent not a Terminator but a comforter to you. Because your job is not to save the world, but it's just to show the world what it's like to be saved. And, and you will most impact people if you just do that. If you just live a life of faith. If you just live a life that listens to the Holy Spirit. As he said, hey, do this, do that. Just pray for somebody. We're not Reinhard Bonkies or Catherine Coleman's or whoever the other big names are. Corey Watson's and all that sort of stuff, you know. We're just ordinary Joe Blows. So just go and pray for them. You know what? Your job is not to heal them. That's God's job. Your job is to hear Him and do what He tells you to do so He can do what He's called to do. So my challenge to you tonight is continually be filled and be a person of faith. Listening, Belly rolls of fate, baby bumps of faith, growing something, dreaming something, thinking about it, hoping. Keep that alive. And, you know, you'll do what Henry Kramer did, who probably didn't think he did much, just wandered around and loved Jesus and shared the gospel and, and uh, just helped people, did all sorts of different things. But he impacted this community. He left a fingerprint of faith that goes on, even though his body is gone, even though the building that he built is gone. His faith remains. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just, we're in awe of what you do and how you do things. Lord, that you want to use us and to be involved with us. Lord, that you engage us to, to do and to be a part of what you're doing. Father, for each and every person in this place, Lord, I ask that you would strengthen them, that you would fill them afresh. Lord, that you would anoint and enable them. Lord, as they go out, Lord, they would hear your voice and just be obedient. Father, that they would be people of faith. Lord, that they would be transmitting and communicating and sharing that faith, Lord, to the people they meet. You know, just as every head is bowed and every eye is, is closed right now, I, I don't know all you here. I don't know how you.